I'm Sammy Purcell. And I'm Logan Keller. And we are back for episode five of season three. We're about to be halfway through this season already. Wow. Chugging right along. If we haven't told the audience yet, we're only doing 10 episodes this season. Yeah, it's just (laughs) feels like. But a little (laughs) little ambitious. We were like ghosts by the time we got to 16 episodes. So we figured 10 is like a happy medium. It also kind of explains the big gap between. Well, it wasn't that crazy of a gap, but there's a gap between two and three. It was a. It was definitely a gap. We needed some time. (laughs) We needed a break. That's for sure. Um, But Logan, I have a question for you. Yes, Sammy. Have you ever given or received a promposal? Oh, have I? I certainly (laughs) have. I knew you were going to say yes. (laughs) I definitely was like a go all out kind of, both for homecoming and prom. I like... I think one year there was like kind of a Wizard of Oz thing going on and like I had my girlfriend at the time, I had like uh, a lion thing in the first period, a tin man thing in the second period, like it was like a whole thing throughout the day. So you spread it out. Yeah, and then during fourth period I had a note that was like, go to your car and I was there with flowers I, did, I made, like, a cake. Well, I didn't make it, but my friend made a cake for me. <laughs> <laughs> my friend wants her prom. Yeah, I love that stuff. Okay, yeah, I got... The best one I ever got was... This is going to sound aggressive, but junior year, we all just went with friends, so I, I like, knew that my friend was going to ask mm-hmm. me. Um, but the way he did it was he enlisted a couple of our other friends to, like, quote-unquote, kidnap me. But they literally, like... <laughs> We were standing in the parking lot. They, like, someone grabbed me from behind and then picked up my legs. And my first, like, response was to kick. So I think I kicked someone really hard. I'm not sure who it was. But then I, like, realized, like, oh, I I know these people. Okay. And they, like, threw me in the back of a car. I was blindfolded. They drove around (laughs) in circles for a minute. Um, They got me Chick-fil-A, which was nice. (laughs) Um... And then, like, pulled around to the back of the school where he had, like, put solo cups in the fence that said prom. Oh, my God. And I was like, the what solo was cup the... fence moment. Yeah. So, in my picture, in the picture of it, I look so disoriented. <laughs> um, I have, I actually know the picture. <laughs> yeah? Can you see it? <laughs> Me and Walter. And not only do I know the picture, I know the purple dress you wore. <laughs> Yes, I did. Uh, I had great prom dresses. Sorry, you did. just to brag a little bit, but I love them. No, you really dresses. did. It was like an angular, like purple. Mm-hmm. Mm. They're all. They're both bright. We can talk about prom later. I feel like the girls aren't <laughs> doing prom right. Prom right anymore. But yeah. anyway, that's a long-winded introduction to our show. Um, which, if you haven't listened before. Here on Rate Debate Recreate, each week, Logan and I pick a musical based on a category. We rate that show on a scale of 1 to 10. We debate which one is better. And we think of one aspect that we might recreate or change. We can apply that term as loosely or as tightly as possible. Um, So like I said, each week we have a category. And this week, that category is makeovers. And my show, it is, is My Fair Lady. And my show is The Prom. Woo! It's about to be fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's time for promposals, which that doesn't happen in My Fair Lady, but they were more similar than I anticipated, you know, outside of the yeah. makeover aspect. But anyway, so I'll get started <laughs> with a little bit of summary about My Fair Lady, which is a very popular show. I feel like everyone knows what it is. But if you don't, My Fair Lady came to Broadway in 1956 musical with book and lyrics by Alan J. Lerner and music by Frederick Lowe. It's based on a George Bernard Shaw play that you might have read in high school. It's called Pygmalion. It is about Eliza Doolittle, who's like a little cockney flower girl. That's my (laughs) accent. Who has a run-in with Henry Higgins, who is this very like elitist, uppity, snobby um, phonetics professor. 
she wants him to teach her how to speak properly so she can get a better job and like a nice shop somewhere. And he turns the whole thing into a bet. So he bets his like new best friend, Colonel Pickering, who he just like picks up off the street at the beginning of the show. <laughs> um, and is like, I bet you I can pass this girl. And he, we're going to run through some of the things he calls her because he is terrible. <laughs> I bet I can pass off this girl as a proper young lady with just a mere six months of tutelage. And so he starts to teach her. He's awful. She hates him. But eventually it does work. She learns how to sing the rain in Spain is falling, you know, all over that plane. Um, And the first test they have is this kind of horse race. So they go to this horse race where she meets Freddie Einsford Hill, who's this like big old himbo who's just obsessed with her. And I love him. Um, But other than that, she kind of flubs this first outing. She like reverts to her Cockney accent while she's yelling at the horses um, because she's fun and no one else is having fun. And then at the second outing, which is the embassy ball, which is kind of the big grand finale, she does great, but she ends up feeling very hurt and disrespected by Higgins because he's taking all the credit. He's treating her as just a bet. And she kind of thought that they had developed this relationship over the past six months. So they have a little breakup of sorts, although like we can argue the fact if they're like actually romantically together at any point in this show. Um, and she decides she wants to marry Freddie, which is one of my favorite things to say. Um, and Higgins is very upset with this decision and they fight about it. Eventually she comes back and he like sings a song about how he's come to care for her, blah, 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 blah. We'll talk about the multitude of endings for this show. So I'm going to rate, I watched the 1964 movie starring Audrey Hepburn and Rex Harrison, the great Rex Harrison. He is wonderful. I love him so much. Um, I'm going to rate this show nine out of 10, excuse me. (laughs) 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 That's the noise that Audrey Hepburn makes as Eliza. I don't know where she got that from, but I love it. So (laughs) love it. Okay, I'll I'll go ahead and rate it now. Um, I'm going to rate it 8 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And if you would, so I got to see, I'll talk about this later, actually. I'll wait. Um, Okay, perfect. (laughs) Okay, the prom. So the The prom prom. is uh, opened in 2018, I believe. Um, And opens on this brand new Broadway musical, kind of like holding up a mirror to the audience vibes. Um, it's this brand new musical about the life of Eleanor Roosevelt. And you kind of like open on the end of that show. Um, and then it ends up giving like horrible reviews and immediately <laughs> closes. Um, and the show starred like these NYC elite narcissist vibe people, Dee Dee yeah. and Barry, who <laughs> after the show closes commiserate with, a Juilliard graduate who always lets people know, um, Trent, and Angie, who is a chorus girl that's been in Chicago for the past 20 years. Um, And basically, they come to this realization that their reputations are preventing them from furthering their careers. So they decide to, like, take on a cause to get better PR and are, like, brainstorming what to do. And they look on Twitter and they find this, like, viral story about a girl in Indiana whose prom was canceled because she was going to ask another girl um, and the Indiana school would not allow a lesbian couple at the prom. So mm-hmm. the NYC crew decided to go help that little lesbian. And um, in, then we get to Indiana. Uh, so Emma is the little lesbian in question. Little lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> and the principal of the high school who is on her side Um, Mm -hmm. are, like, presenting to the school board who's banning prom, trying to, like, advocate for their case. Um, We meet Emma's love interest, Alyssa, who ends up being the daughter of the PTA mom who's, like, leading this charge. Washington. Olivia Pope. Yes, (laughs) Olivia Pope. Um, And, yeah, basically the rest unfurls as, like, the New York crew tries their best to shame the citizens of Indiana and the PTA, and Emma and Alyssa trying to figure out, like, what their story looks like when Alyssa's still in the closet and figuring out, you know, the right moment to come out. Um, yeah. Yeah, without ruining it, that's the, the basis of the plot. 
<laughs> um, interestingly enough, even though this just came out in 2018, there is already a movie adaptation of it done mm-hmm. in 2020. Um, and we both have thoughts on both. <laughs> or I yes. have thoughts on both. You have, you have thoughts, thoughts on, on both. I have thoughts on one. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to split my rating. I'm going to give the movie a rating and the stage version a rating. Mm-hmm. I was able to see The Prom twice with the original cast both times. Um, with so your queen. anyway. Sorry. With your queen. With my literal queen, Beth Lovell. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm going to give the movie a 6 out of 10. And I'm going to give the stage version an 8 out of 10, Little Lesbians. Okay. Okay. I don't want to disappoint you. <laughs> no, please do. I, I think part of why I'm giving the movie a higher score is because the original source has such a deep place for me that, like, yes. even though I think the movie butchers it, I still give it some credit yeah. that maybe it doesn't deserve. I watched the like some of the clips that you sent over, and I think I would have enjoyed the stage show I think much more than I really enjoyed liked it the movie, which is I didn't really enjoy the movie at all. I'm going to give the movie three out of ten yeah, yeah, lesbians. I, <laughs> um, I don't think it's very good. I, and, mm, I have a lot of thoughts. We can get yeah. into them. Let's here, get into but. them. Okay, well, let's get into My Fair Lady first. Um, So like I said, I watched the movie version from 1964. Sorry, Miss Audrey Hepburn, icon, legend, queen. Um, But I have to start with this story, which is, I guess, not very flattering to her. But I actually, I'm going to ride for her in this movie. I think she's good. Um, But so I need to start with the story about Julie Andrews being a sassy, petty bitch. I'm sure you've heard this before. But I love it well, so that's much. Well, that could be another category for this episode. <laughs> Julie Andrews. Uh, original star was not cast in the movie, uh, famously. Oh, yeah, it could. Famously Because Caitlin cast. also famously auditioned and was not cast. Are you serious? Yeah, I have thoughts we're going to about... talk about that. <laughs> oh, my God, we okay. We won't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, as you all probably know, I just love the story so much. Julie Andrews originated this role, famously originated this role, on Broadway in 1956, along with Rex Harrison. But they didn't cast her in the movie, um, Jack Warner, because she wasn't famous enough. They just like were like, eh, who are you? And so it cast Audrey Hepburn, famously very famous. Um, so Julie Andrews decides she's going to make a little movie called Mary Poppins and then proceeds to sweep award season. Like basically everything, My Fair Lady won like everything except mm-hmm. Best Actress at every single turn, <laughs> basically. And at the Golden Globes, um, which she beat out Audrey Hepburn along with some other actresses, she famously said, this is how she ends her acceptance speech, finally, my thanks to a man who made a wonderful movie and who made all this possible in the first place, Mr. Jack Warner, who is in charge of My Fair Lady and <laughs> <laughs> not casting her. <laughs> uh, I did not know that. <laughs> it's my favorite thing she's ever drama. done. It's dramatic icon. I love it. And then she won the Oscar that year as well. Um, but My Fair Lady did win like eight Oscars, including actor, director for George Cukor, who I love, um, best picture, like art direction, cinematography, all that jazz. Audrey Hepburn, not nominated, um, which I know I said I'm going to ride for her in this movie, but I, I do think in order to win an Oscar for a role in which you sing, you have to actually sing, and she famously does not. She does a little bit in some of... Lots of um, fame going on today. <laughs> lots of fame. This is a very famous episode. <laughs> um, but Marnie Nixon, who also voiced, uh, did Natalie Wood in West Side Story. You've heard her a lot. She's in The Sound mm-hmm. of Music with Julie Andrews. Seven, seven degrees of separation with Julie Andrews. <laughs> um, but... Audrey Hepburn does actually sing a little bit in Just You Wait, which I didn't realize, but they only let her do it because she's kind of supposed to sound bad. But I don't think Audrey <laughs> Hepburn is like that bad of a... I don't know. They didn't let her sing. It's a hard part to sing. They didn't... They, she tried. They didn't think she was good enough, apparently. And that's my rule. You can't win an Oscar unless you actually sing Cough Cough from Malik. But... <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm going to get into some actual criticism of the show now. Um, so I wanted to start off a little bit with like its social critique and if the show succeeds. So okay. Pygmalion itself, like Pygmalion itself is built on this kind of like social critique of the upper class and sexism. Like I think a lot of people watch this and they're like, Henry Higgins sucks. And I'm like, yeah, 
fucking yes. sucks. Like, right. <laughs> that is true. I don't, I don't understand your problem. Um, but one thing I really love about this show is like the way it views kind of like elitism and class as a performance. And like, obviously there's a lot more that goes into like what class you fall into, but you have to act a certain way. You have to talk mm-hmm. a certain way and it's all kind of constructed and it's all fake in a way. And that's like the whole conceit, right? Is that like, he can take this girl who is like low class, which side note, like <laughs> this is like the original, like, Oh, take her glasses off. And she's pretty like, even with dirt yeah. on her face, like Audrey Hepburn is beautiful. <laughs> like, she just has some like a smudge on her face and stuff. And everyone's like, ew. <laughs> but, um, so I love how George Cooker kind of like frames this, like the big scene at the horse race when everyone is talking about how like they are so excited. Wow. That was exhilarating. Like, and they're so like quiet and subdued and don't sound excited at all. And then she comes in and even when she's speaking with the correct accent, she's just like so much more fun Mm, than all these like, fuddy-duddy people like she has a personality you inherently like her more than you like anyone else in the show and I also really like the fact that like Freddie who's the guy who falls in love with her perfect little himbo maybe kind of a stalker <laughs> Freddie who just sits outside of her house and waits for her himbo to come stalker. out um but I really like that like the person who falls in love with her like you have two people who like quote unquote fall in love with her, which I want to talk about like the romance aspect of her and Higgins relationship too. Mm. You have Higgins who like cannot bring himself to like admit that he might've liked her before he like quote unquote created her into this thing. And he like sort of semi like falls in love with the creation more than he does like actual Eliza. And what I love about Freddie is like, Freddie is like, oh, she's kind of weird. I like her. <laughs> He's like immediately like when she like screams at the horses and her accent comes out, he like thinks she's funny. He does. He's not like embarrassed by her at all. Like he genuinely likes her. And I think like that whole conceit of like class as something that you perform, but really like when you get to know the person below, like that's like the good part of it all. I also love that this show is like very cognizant of the fact, I think, that he really, Henry Higgins has like really not helped her at all at the end of the day. Like there's a really good scene, um, and I think this kind of goes into the performance aspects of it all too. Like there's a really good scene after the embassy ball when they're all like, yeah, we did it, we did it, da, 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 da. And she's like just distraught like the whole time and no one's paying attention to her. And she says something to him where she says, like, before all this, like, I had a job. I could, like, make a living for myself. Like, you know, it wasn't, like, perfect, but I was independent and I was in control. And now, like, the best I can do is get married. And he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's it. So I like the fact that it's sort of cognizant of the fact that, like, he, all he's done is, like, turned her into, like, this high-class puppet. But she's lost, like, all autonomy in the process. And I love that. And also one small thing I noticed this time, um, and this is kind of segueing into their relationship, is that the first time she says the rain in Spain correctly is just after he says something actually nice to her. <laughs> like he's uh, being really mean to her. And then he says something like kind of encouraging. Yeah. And she says it right. But I think like the social critique of the show is something that I think it does quite well. And then where I think most people butt up against My Fair Lady is, like, especially the movie, because it does end on, like, a semi-romantic note, is, like, viewing it as this romantic story, which I I think it's romantic, I guess, but I don't really see, like, the romance as, like, the romantic aspects as necessarily, like, a romance between them. Like, I think at its core, My Fair Lady is sort of not really even about Eliza. Like, I would say, like, Higgins is more of a main character than she is, And it is about kind of like a nasty, sad old man who like has never really cared for anyone but himself and how he like learns to handle it the first time he actually starts to care about someone. But she doesn't handle it well. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) But I, I really love the chemistry between Audrey Hepburn and Rex Harrison in this movie, but I don't really think it's necessarily romantic. Like... I could have danced all night. Like, you know, 
I feel like people treat that song as like, you know, I only knew when he began to dance with me. But she doesn't actually like really talk about him. That's the only part she mentions is him. Mm -hmm. It's the only part she says like maybe like a direct reference to him. But I think it's more about like, oh, like I did something right. And then we had this big party. Like it feels like more of a girl who's excited after a party rather than like a girl who's in love. And I and I wonder if you had any like thoughts about that. Because I don't think Rex Harrison is like making anyone swoon except maybe Pickering, which I yeah. also have thoughts about. Yeah, I have never... Okay, maybe this is where I'll bring this up. So I, okay. if, if you had asked me to rate My Fair Lady prior to 2018, I would have not given... I was not a show I liked. But I got to yeah. see the um, the revival in 2018 with Lauren Ambrose, who yeah. was actually, like, phenomenal. Um, yeah. She was really, really, really great in the role. And I felt like she played it exactly like you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. way, not any romance vibe, but just totally, like, it's all about, like, this almost like an entrance to a new world that she hadn't previously mm-hmm. experienced and like is kind of letting loose and, and carefree. So yeah, I really, I think that the way Lauren played it is like the way you should modernly adapt uh, My Fair Lady yeah. that makes it feel less like predatory. I don't know, weird, <laughs> uncomfy. Yeah. So, and I think like, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to like, how do I say this? Because the way I view this is like Rex Harrison specifically, because he is so much older than her. I never get anything. I don't know. He doesn't portray like predatory in that way yeah. to me. Like I never get the idea that he's like, like sexually paper, interested but in not her. Like when you're yeah. That. Yeah. Like I, like, I guess from both of them, I get this idea and like the end, we can talk about the end and like, Because no matter what the performances give, like, you sort of have the end to contend with. Um, But I think, like, both of their performances betray, like, a fondness. And with her, it's just, it's like, it is like a teacher relationship. Like, he has, like, at least towards the beginning up until the embassy ball when she kind of has this breaking point, like, oh, like, I can't, like, I don't, what am I supposed to do now? Like, I have no prospects. (laughs) Um, Up until that point, like, with her, it's like, oh, he's teaching me something, like, important. And they do, like, develop a relationship, but I've always seen it as more of, like, a mentor-mentee thing. Yeah. And for her, that means something special, like, right off the bat. And I think for him, it takes him, like, a little longer to realize that it's not just about ownership. Because I think, like, a lot of what he feels is, like, ownership over what she has become and, like, yeah. her success. And I think, like, like I said, the movie is, like, very careful to make sure to like, I guess, put in contrast to him being like very proud over what he's made her into direct contrast with people like Freddie, who's like, Oh, she's like kind of awkward and weird. I like her Pickering who like treated, treats her Mm -hmm. with respect right from the beginning. Like even when she like runs up to him, like talking about the, she thinks like Higgins is a policeman who's like going to arrest her at the beginning. And she runs up to Pickering and he's like, leave her alone. Like stop being a, a dick to her. Like did it up. And then even, like, the mom, who I also have some thoughts about, but um, the mom is, like, polite to her after, like, a certain beat. Like, is, like, knows who she is and still treats her with kindness. Yeah. And I think, like, what can frustrate people about My Fair Lady is, like, choosing it to end on that romantic note, which now I kind of want to talk about the end. Well, well, sorry, one quick note before we move to that. It's, like, I I think that... if this is exactly what you're saying, feel free to reach through the screen and slap me in the face. But, like, okay. everyone else <laughs> likes her for her, and he likes mm-hmm. the version of her that he is responsible for, cre- that, according to him, he's responsible for creating. And yeah. he is, to an extent. But yeah. it just feels like, I don't know, like, it's, I agree, it doesn't feel predatory, like, in the movie. It's not like a... I'm not watching it being like, oh, I'm getting creepy vibes, but I still yeah. agree that it doesn't feel like a romantic vibe. It's toxic vibe. for sure. And like, <laughs> I don't get her perspective. Like, I don't get yeah. her choosing him. I will say, like, maybe I need to check myself a little because I do, like, I do think it is a product of its time. And like, I know that yeah. you and I were both critical of that statement 
at times, but like I in this case, I really, really think it applies. Like it was so much more normalized for really big age gaps, specifically an older sure. man, younger woman, um, and like an older man kind of like taking a younger girl under his wing. Like that was kind of a normal sure. thing. So I guess like in you know when this came out, it probably didn't feel that odd, but knowing how different that feels today and like that he had this role and kind of like creating her a little bit I don't know Mm -hmm. it just feels like weird to me but more than weird I just don't get why she wants to end up with him over Freddie yeah that I think is the biggest issue is like you could argue like oh like where else does she have to go and it's like Freddie's right there Mm -hmm. (laughs) he is right there and I guess like I don't know, being, I might get into this and might recreate, like, a little bit as far as, like, trying to, like, make her... Because I think, like, what we're supposed to get is that, like, it, he has... Whatever else he has done, he has, like, opened this world up to her. Yeah. And before she kind of realizes what she thinks about that world and, like, what her limitations are there, that's, like, the exciting part. Um, And I do think... So let's talk about the end a little bit now because I... I just want to talk about it a little bit. So Pygmalion ends with, like, her leaving. She marries Freddy. That's how Pygmalion ends. So they changed it for the musical. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, George Bernard Shaw, like, hates the, <laughs> hated the end of the musical. Or maybe, I think it, it was someone involved with, like, the play, like, really hated what they did to it. Um, but in the movie and the play, they have him end on that, where are my slippers? Like, that line. Which, for the movies, to... George Cukor and creators of the filmmakers credit of that movie. I love the end shot when he like slips into the chair mm-hmm. and puts his hat over his eyes. Looks really good. Looks really good. Um, but I think like it does read as like, cause he has, I've grown accustomed to her face, which I'm going to talk about because it's one of my favorite songs of all time. And I think Rex Harrison performs it beautifully. Speak singing, not really singing at all. Just talking. <laughs> um, but Like, one, the biggest critique of that, and I do get it, is that it just, like, undermines everything that you're kind of trying to critique. Yes. Um, And the misogyny aspects of it. Because I do think this show, like, does do a lot to critique misogyny, and then it just, like, rips it away (laughs) when she comes back. And so, the end of the movie, there are a few things that I really like, even though I do think it still undermines stuff. One thing I love that I think is, like, a very subtle way of portraying a little bit of growth is that when he gets home, he turns on the recordings of her and it's the recordings of her old accent. Like he specifically chooses to listen to her before he taught her how to speak, Mm -hmm. which I do really like that idea. But like you mentioned the 2018 revival, which you saw, she leaves, Yes, which is great. I think that's how it should end. Like, I think like you can still have, like I've grown accustomed to her face because I've grown accustomed to her face is like just the little bit. It's like a song that portrays the tiniest hint of growth. Like he's still nasty in it. But you just see, like, it's like what I said, like a person who has never really cared about anyone else, like learning, oh, fuck, I think I care about this person and I don't know how to handle that. And whatever that type of, like, care may be, because I don't really view it as romantic. It's, but, it's his yeah, version of the history of wrong guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> what many little story I have to say? I don't have much sport. Um, I did just want to mention, I think the music in this is awesome. And I, I mm-hmm. love, I've grown accustomed to her face. I think it's like one of the best performances of a song of all time is Rex Harrison singing that song. Like the way he's this very Friday, like this every intonation, every like little inflection. I think he's great. And then like when he like settles back down into actual like care, I just think he really articulates it well. And then the last thing I wanted to do is, I mentioned this earlier, I made a little list of everything, all the terrible things that Higgins <laughs> says to Eliza. Um, not a list of everything, but just my favorites. Um, so at the beginning, he calls her a squash cabbage leaf. You're a disgrace to the noble architecture of these columns. <laughs> um, he says this to Pickering. He says, should we ask this baggage to sit down or should we just throw her out the window? <laughs> Like, he's gay. (laughs) They are, okay, listen, it's two gay men playing dress up with Audrey Hepburn. He literally, why can't a woman be more like a man? Evolves into, why can't a woman be more like you, Pickering, who I think I probably want to have sex with? 
anyway, but we'll get into that into my, we'll get into that under my recreate too, because I very much believe these men are gay. Anyway, um, she's so deliciously low, so horribly dirty. I'll make a duchess of this draggle-tailed gutter snipe. (laughs) He says, um, after the embassy ball, he says, you won my bet, you presumptuous insect. (laughs) Um, this is one of my little, so for the longest time, it's in Why Can't a Woman Be More Like a Man? He starts it off with, um, what's an all in heaven could have prompted her to go? And for the longest time, I thought he was ending that phrase with, I cannot understand the wretched whore. (laughs) (laughs) It's not what he says. He says, I cannot understand the wretch at all. But in his accent is like, wretched whore, you know? Yeah. Like, wretched whore. And then I think this is kind of one of the meanest things he says, because I think it's super manipulative when him and Eliza are fighting and she's like, I want to leave. I want to get away. Like, you can find you can turn on my voice whenever you want. I think is what she says. You can hear me talk whenever you want. And he says, I can't turn your soul on, which is actually very sweet, but also very manipulative. (laughs) So I added that one in there as well, Um, because I think that is probably something he means. But wrong time to say it. The library was open. (laughs) (laughs) and that's what i got i think i like this show a lot yeah it's a good Um, one i think more than i understand the critiques of it and i do think the end is like a little like you got to do that 2018 revival slash pygmalion ending um but i love it yeah i think it's great and i think audrey hepburn does a very good job i think i don't know i feel like people don't like that performance but i think she's pretty good period um, awesome. Okay. Let's get into the prom. There's a lot to dig into <laughs> here. Um, there sure is. I'll start with my overall thoughts of the stage show, not in okay. completely disregarding the movie. Um, I think that it it is so fun. And I'm it's not like in a backhanded like they had fun up there. Like it, it really is a celebration. And one thing I think the show does incredibly well is balancing the line of having, like, a very real, sincere topic and issue to address, but also having a fuck ton of comedy and, like, not taking itself too seriously. And I think I think it does that, like, really well. And I think it punch, it's always punching up, which I love. Yeah. Um, I think on that note of punching up, I also think it could be really easy for a show like this to just, like, dunk on... Indiana or insert red state here. Um, (laughs) And they do. (laughs) But (laughs) I think they equally, if not more dunk on like the vibe of the, the New York elites and, and like that crew just as much, which I think like is again, yeah, like this is all stemming from like Emma and like Emma doesn't really care if you're from Indiana, if you're from New York, like they all Mm -hmm. have their, whatever shit they're up to. But at the core of it, like Emma just literally at her core at her core, she just wants to go to prom with her girlfriend. Like that is all she yeah. wants. And all of this ruckus is happening around her. And the funny parts are all in the ruckus. Um, but it's never like at the expense of Emma, at the expense of queer kids in Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. so I really I think they balance that very well. And then like the music is very much a when it soars, it soars kind of show. Like, the songs that are good are phenomenal, in my opinion. I think um, Just Mm -hmm. Breathe, Emma's song. I think both of Dee Dee's big songs. I think Zazz is an incredible way to open the second (laughs) act. Um, So, like, when when they're good, they're... Oh, my God. Unruly Heart is, like, an anthem. Like, when it's Mm -hmm. good, it's phenomenal. But there's a lot of filler as well. I honestly... Like, I honestly think the character of Trent is just kind of unnecessary. Like, I feel like they were like, let's make it four people and, like, kind of figured out how to write him in. It's like he is, but also Andrew Reynolds is one of the only things I like about that Yeah, movie. yeah. I, th- that's the thing. So, is I don't... Yeah. I like both of his songs. But what I would argue is actually... I, I would have said that... I don't think that Trent does anything song-wise that Barry couldn't have done. Like, I think... That's true. And I know that... For you to imagine that, that means you have to imagine James Corden doing it. But for me, that's Brooks. Oh, hell. That's fucking, though, like, Brooks doing it. And I think he could do so well doing, like, a Love Thy Neighbor and, 
Like, I don't know. He would be really good at that. I, I just like, don't think that I Trent wish has, I like, a unique perspective that he's, like, adding to the group. Um, His whole joke is, like, he went to Juilliard. And yes. They, and, like, yes, that's a funny throwaway it. line. So, yeah. <laughs> make that his line at the bar when they meet him, do the joke, and then move on to just the trio. <laughs> Get him out of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, though, I agree. Both Andrew Reynolds and in the in the Broadway version, it's Christopher Sieber, who we know from critical acclaim as Lord Farquaad in Shrek the Musical. Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, both of them are By really critical, great. I mean me. <laughs> Um, no, by critical, I mean me being critical of you still not watching Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, when it is on Netflix. Um, anyway. I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but that is all to say that Christopher and, and Andrew Reynolds, I think both give really good performances. I just, like, I don't understand why he's there, is my truth. Um, is I also like another plot point that gets kind of lost to me is in the when they're doing the whole like Broadway narcissists thing, like that's clearly just about Dee Dee and Barry. Like Trent isn't working; he's not a Broadway narcissist. I mean, yeah, he's a narcissist. Yeah. He talks about Juilliard, but like, okay, so what? He's working at a bar, and then <laughs> Angie is straight up sweet the whole time. Like she is just straight up so she fun is. and nice, and like. Yeah, she's like has her whole I've been a chorus girl for twenty years storyline. I want to be the lead, but like that's not she's not not the lead because she's a narcissist. Like there are clearly other yeah. factors at play, and which it seems like more like stunt casting instead of like yeah whatever. So yeah, the the characters of Angie and Trent, although I like like what they bring at times, I just am kind of skeptical about why they're in the show. Um, but yeah. I will say I think Angie makes more sense because I think of everyone, Angie is the one person that really connects the best with Emma. I was about to say, yeah, she helps her the most. And I, I actually, I mean, Nicole Kimmon doesn't get like a ton to do, but mm-hmm. she does get to do that little Zaz number yeah. about Bob Fosse, which is good. She's great. It I is. Nicole Kimmon, so. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about, well, actually, no, I'm going to talk about the, the queer significance and then we'll do Broadway versus movie. Um, Okay. So, yeah, I, I think another area that this show just, like, soars above so many others is in its queer representation, but also just, like, in the story it's telling. Like, I can't tell you how much I wish this show had been out 10 years earlier mm-hmm. for me to listen to in in high school. Like, I think, yeah. I don't know, I, I know what it's like to be in the closet, I know what it's like to be in a relationship where one of the parties isn't out of the closet on both mm. ends of that spectrum. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I think it's like a very <clears throat> real issue. In fact, it's literally based on like in, I mean, I'm sure it still happens, but especially in like the early 2010s, this was like a not uncommon yeah. story. Um, I think it's specifically based on like one that happened in Mississippi in 2010 or 2011 um, so, like, I think it's a really important story to be told. I also love that, like, especially today where so much of queerness is being conflated by conservatives with, like, pedophilia and stupid shit like that. Yeah. I love that it's a, te- a queer teen story, um, which is not something I think we have a lot of. And I love that it's a lesbian story because... I was about to say that, too. I feel like that's even less, yes, like, common. It is yeah. so much less common. Um, and I I honestly can't think off the top of my head of another, like, teen lesbian-centered story that ultimately mm-hmm. is, like, a positive celebration. And, yeah, I can't think of... I'm sure there are, but, like, it, they're rare. They're few and far between. So mm-hmm. love all those things. Also, I don't know if you know, fun fact... But they, um, in their performance for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, it's the first ever queer kiss um, on that, like, (gasps) ever on the Macy's Parade. So I think that's amazing. Um, And also, I think only the second lesbian, like, lead since, and it was Fun Home that started it in 2015. That's Fact crazy. Check me that on it, that audience. There's only been. I don't know. I guess Color Purple is kind of gray area. It's not like yeah. I was about to say Color Purple. Lesbian, the musical, I say the musical is more explicit. I think. Yeah, it is. So maybe like or at least second it's or a third. romance between two women. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, not a common thing. So love all of yeah. that, and I think they handle it all really well. Now let's get to Broadway versus movie. Okay. Oh. I. 
I just like think so much went wrong with the movie. Um, <laughs> so much. And I think that so much of what makes the musical so beautiful and so special is lost in the movie. Um, so I just want to talk about some of the like plot differences and general differences and why I don't think they work as well. The big, the biggest one for me is Emma. And I'm not even talking about the acting because, okay, this might be an unpopular opinion. I don't think Joellen, per- Joellen Perlman, I think is her name. Perlman. Um, yeah. I, I didn't think she was that bad. Like, I don't think she was anywhere close to the level that Kate, Caitlin Kinnanen gave, who I mm-hmm. like literally think could and, and maybe even should have won Best Actress that year that she was nominated for, for um, mm-hmm. the prom. I I just think, A, Caitlin is on a whole nother level. But for me, the biggest issue is in the characterization of Emma. Emma mm. in the movie is, like, fucking cool. Like, <laughs> like what the... Emma in the musical is, yeah. like, a lot more awkward, nerdy. She's also plus size. She also is, like... Like, I don't know. She's more, like, grungy, I get. Like, I, it just feels way less polished. And, like... Mm-hmm. Even if you look at, like, if you look up a scene where Emma sings in her room, like, Unruly Hearts, like, even down to the room decoration, like, the Emma in the movie has this, like, perfectly curated, like, kind of, like, new age, you know, um, light yeah. but colorful, like, rainbow palette and always has this, like, distinct sense of style. And, like, I personally feel like the whole point of Emma's character is that, like, Nothing is going right in her life. Like, she doesn't know who she is, really. She doesn't know so many things. But what she does know is that she loves Alyssa. Like, that's kind of her, Mm -hmm. like, central thing. And in the movie, she's just, like, so much more, like... I feel like she starts the musical knowing exactly who she is, exactly what her aesthetic is, exactly what her, like, store everything is. And, like, I don't know. Not that I think it's bad to, like know who you are at a young age like I think that's a a good thing I guess but it just doesn't feel like it fits the story that's so funny because I feel like she the problem I have and I don't know if it's like the way she was directed or like the problem I have with her is she feels like such a blank slate like I feel like I don't get any type of like I have no real idea of who she is beyond like she loves Alyssa which yeah that's a big part of it but like then it's like when these people come into her life, she's just like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, no, nah. like there's, and there's nothing in her, nothing in the way she's reacting to anything that is like, oh, this is kind of weird or like, okay, like, I don't know about, but there, there's no like conflict. And, and it's like a crazy thing to have happen to you. Like yeah. you would be mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't know how Caitlin Kinnan did it, but I feel like you would be like, oh, I guess like, but she's just like the way she reacts to every, like in the shopping sequence with James Corden and like, all that stuff. She's just like, okay. Yeah. And I think she smiles way too much. I know I told you that. Yeah. She smiles <laughs> at moments when she should not be smiling. <laughs> yeah. I think that like Caitlin's version is way more like, like reluctant about the people coming, about going on a shopping spree, like anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. She's like, I wouldn't say she's into it because she doesn't want to make a scene. Like she just literally yeah. all she wants is like, she's like, I just want to go to prom. Like, why is all yeah. this stuff happening as a result of this? Whereas, I don't know, I, I find, kind of feel like movie Emma, like, indulges in it a bit. Another, like, plot point I feel pretty kind of weird about is Barry coming out to his mom. That doesn't happen in the movie. Um, you just know that there is a past that he was kicked out. I also, I, I, could, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure in the musical he was, like, more explicitly kicked out of his home, not, like... Yeah. Whatever the situation is in the movie. And maybe this is me reading too much into things, but I kind of feel like there are moments where they, like, the the movie kind of puts the blame on Barry for his relationship with his mother. Like, they're like, you left Mm -hmm. before they even gave you the chance to... To not accept you. I like, did. Why are you I wrote her out? that down. I was like. And I'm like, <laughs> look, can that happen in real life? Absolutely. But in, I don't know. I, I, it just rubs me a weird way where they're like, like, you don't even know. Like, maybe they support you. And then all of a sudden the mom's like, I've been wanting to reach out for a long time, but I haven't. It's like, bitch, you 
you didn't. And it's also like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm just like, why is that on Barry to do? And then they fucking mm-hmm. ambush him. Like, they literally, he has no desire to see his mom. And they, like, invite her to the school. And against his will, like, I don't know. They're like, we knew you wouldn't have That's done my, it if, yeah. if we didn't force this upon you. That's one of my other things is I feel like the, I have a couple of things. I feel like the elite New Yorkers don't really learn anything. And for the exact reason you said, like they try to push all this stuff on Emma and then it kind of goes, I mean, it's not, it's not their fault that it blows up. Like it's not their fault that like the prom gets relocated or whatever, but like they push all this stuff on Emma and it goes wrong, push all this stuff. And they like continue to push stuff on Barry, one of their own. And the movie kind of writes it off. It's like, oh, it's fine. Um, but then I was going to say is I know like Ryan Murphy, which complicated thoughts about Ryan Murphy, but I, he like, if I'm not mistaken, like had a really emotional connection to this show. I think he's from Indiana and he is gay. So like, I, I wonder, I don't know if I wonder like how much of the Barry stuff was like, Mm, that's interesting. I don't, I don't know what his relationship is like with his parents at all, but I wonder like how much of that he like drew from, I don't know. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, mm. I have a couple other things, but I actually think I might wait for the recreate, um, to talk more okay. about the movie versus the show. But, oh, another, one other thing is the inclusion of Emma's grandma is also kind of weird to me. I think it's weird to me because I think it directly feeds into that new plot of Barry coming out to his mom. But it's so, I don't know. Random. It also is so weird seeing like, like she's kicked out of her parents' house. And then all of a sudden the grandma, the mother of those parents is like, the coolest grandma ever is so chill down with it, like down with the gays. Like how are her parents there in the musical? No, she, so it's similar. She, she, you just never meet like any home figure, but you know that her parents kicked her out and that she has a troubled home life and is like staying with her grandma. And you don't know what the relationship with the grandma is like even, um, but she's not a character. And I don't know something about seeing the grandma just being this like almost like perfect ally I just am like, again, it's this like polish that's added to the show that I don't think is about polish. It's about like the, the movie grit. is so shiny. Yeah, and we'll talk about. I that said, yeah, in my recreate. We'll talk. I we can go to your recreate. I just have a few things mm-hmm. about like the way this movie is made. It's so shiny. I hate the way fake New York looks. Makes me want to throw up. I hate like the editing is so yeah. weird. Like the Just Breathe song. So, like, she's in the pool, and then there's this such a long musical interlude before those swimmer boys walk up and start being mean to her. Like, the editing is so strange. Yeah. When Meryl is, like, lounging in the bus at one point on the way home, like, on the way to Indiana, her legs look like they're yeah, disconnected exactly from her body. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I thought that's the same thing, It too. is the most strange-looking film. I could go on, but I won't. It's just crazy. Yeah. I will say I do like the song where Andrew Reynolds solves homophobia. That's yes. my favorite part of the movie. I love that show. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I have some other straight thoughts I'm going to talk about and then we can move on to the recreates. But straight thoughts I have. Okay. Choreography. This is more of a question for you in the audience. Are we in the age or have we been in the age of Casey Nicola? I feel like that is like one of the new like common Broadway. I don't know. Do you recognize that kind of like high school like kind of choreo yes i know what you're talking about i don't i don't dislike it actually but it also is so i think it's just so similar to mean girls and their ensembles had some overlap too so like i had seen both and i was like you were in mean girls you were in mean girls you were in mean girls and like I, (laughs) i don't know i just noticed that Another thing that's kind of weird for me in both the stage and movie is, like, the transformation from antagonist to ally of, like, everyone in Indiana. Like, all of a sudden, they're all <laughs> just, like, the song where they allies. saw homophobia. It's ridiculous. But, it, like, it is weird. I think if it, in another movie, I would have loved it because it's so stupid yeah. and so campy. <laughs> it's so funny. Yes. But, like, if I was just, like, okay, fine. Like, and maybe if they made, I don't know, if the rest of the movie was like that, I would have been, like, sure. And I still love the number. I think it's a fun I number. Too. I just am but also, it's like, so it, it takes some time, girl. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just, like, yeah, like, I I can't wear pants. You're right. That is in the Bible. Being gay is cool. <laughs> um, okay, I'm really hard. I have to talk about, because despite my... L- 
undying love for Beth Level. I think Unruly Heart is the best song in the show, um, which is like mm-hmm. Emma's anthem when she... I, so I think it's so powerful. Like, I think where Dee Dee's big transformation number in The Ladies Improving, like, she's not really actually improving. She's just singing a song with the principal no, that he has she's a just saying for. Um, because yeah. he, like, saw her perform that song. But, like, she's not actually... She's just singing about her character improving. Whereas Emma's is done yeah. in this, like really internal introspective like emma way where it's not a huge spectacle but she does do this song that's beautiful and shares it on the internet and that's how it like spreads and like i think that the process of the song transitioning from emma to like the other lgbq teens to quote dd um lgbq teens uh like seeing the video and joining and singing like it i lost it like i was a Mm -hmm. mess in the theater so like i think that song is beautiful overall i think that the prom is a really really fun show i think it balances like the issues that are very real and and tough but it does it with like sincerity and comedy and it's a really good balance as a musical i don't think it's perfect like even the stage version i think has some flaws but i also think that like some I don't know, some of the characters should have been developed more, some of the plot has cracks in it, but it's so fucking fun, and it struck a huge chord with me, and, like, I yeah. think that it's a show that you watch, and you're like, yes, I know that wasn't perfect, but it was just so good, and it's that's cool. how I left that yeah. theater. Good. Yeah. Aw. Okay, should we move mm. on to recreates? Let's do it. Okay. So, I... So My Fair Lady has had, like, I actually don't know if She's All That is a direct translation of Pygmalion, but I'm pretty sure it is. You've seen She's All That, where Freddie yeah. Prince Jr. is like, that's like, take her glasses off and she's beautiful, you know? And I, I like that movie fine, but I think, like, I think the makeover aspect of this show is a little weird when it's a young person <laughs> doing it. Or, like, the, like, kind of, like, tutelage is weird like I know we talked about the age gap but I think like the teacher thing is almost a little weird when or like the mentor thing is almost a little weird when you're the same age it almost makes it worse yeah. I don't know the Freddy I don't know the she's all that and the he's all that of whatever because they did make he's all that which is bad um so I was thinking we can make like a new modern remake of My Fair Lady and it's still going to be a musical. I'm going to call it Eliza Rocks, which is what they call the musical on Confessions of a Teenage <laughs> Drama Queen. <laughs> Starting Lindsay Lohan. Great film. I actually Pill. watched that kind of recently. I love that movie. <laughs> um, so I wanted to like run through kind of a new modern roommate, or remake Excuse me, um, with the cast, who I would cast. You can give some ideas too. And then like kind of run through what I think it would be. It ended up kind of a lot like Smash. I love (laughs) that. Here we go. Um, So I think like I only cast the main four roles. And I actually thought of doing Brooks Ashmankis. Ashmanks? I can never say I don't know how to say it. Yeah, but yes. (laughs) I love that. Sorry, sir. Um, I thought of him doing him for Higgins, but I wonder if he's not. Actually, I think I like him better than my other idea. I think I like it. Because the guy, the person that that I picked for Pickering is like, older than him but i think it's fine um so higgins a brooks brooks Ashmichael, <laughs> i think he'd be really good eliza i have two choices i think both of them will be awesome first is jesse buckley who's in cabaret and on the west yeah. recently who i think would be wonderful she's stellar at accents i also just like love the shit out of her i'm the president of her fan club my other choice was Kiki Palmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one, though. I love Jessie, but I think she would be Kiki. really good. <laughs> it's her season. Like, we're in the era. I mean, we're it's in the era, the era but it's in, like... True Jackson you know, VP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for Pickering, I picked Victor Garber, because I feel like we oh, need, like, a soft, sweet yeah. old man. Like, someone can be very sweet, even though he's great at playing crazy, mean, abusive lawyers, but he's also just such a sweet boy. I love him. For Freddie, I we need someone who can sing on the street where you live, which I didn't talk about. And obviously, I don't know if that would be in this remake, but I love that song, even though it's kind of stalkery. Um, and I picked Joshua Henry. Ooh. I think he would be really good, and he has a beautiful voice. So those are my four, which 
I think we're landing on Kiki Palmer, but Jesse, I love yeah. you. And I think actually maybe they should cast you in the show. <laughs> um, so I think like we've talked about this, you make Pickering and Higgins like explicitly gay. Like they don't have to be like dating each other or whatever. Like maybe they are, maybe they're not, but I think like they're just explicitly gay because that mm-hmm. just feels right in my bones. Um, and then I talked about this a little bit. Like, I think we'll obviously like keeping the age difference here, but I don't want to make it like even romantic at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think like the age difference is like a little essential if you want to get into like the critiquing misogyny, critiquing like that kind of toxicity. And especially like Higgins is like a toxic male figure. Um, and I think that's why like he's all that, like having Freddie Prince Jr. give her a re- makeover is like okay sure I guess his little (laughs) sister does it but whatever um and I think like the ownership that he feels over her is a little essential to the story um which is kind of what's given me smash vibes um and I don't think we really get the same effect if they're close to the same age anyway um but it can't be like I'm gonna make you talk good right so like we have to like bring in something else that he's teaching her which is where smash comes into play so why don't you just like make it like she wants to be like a famous, you know, yeah. performer on Broadway, which is, this is why it's giving me smash vibes. Cause it's like very, what's her name? Karen and the guy from uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Commoner Norrington. But so <laughs> I think like maybe she's like a phenomenal, which also like, there's so many examples I feel like of this throughout Broadway history that you could draw on. And a lot of them do have romantic aspects of it. Like, Bossy and Ryan, like you have like these kind of like this happens, right? So I think you could like use this to like critique that kind of stuff because ever since I found out that Bob Fosse made Anne Ranking audition to play herself and all that jazz, I wanted to dig him up and punch <laughs> him in the face. So <laughs> um, anyway, I think you could use this to like critique that sort of relationship. Um, so maybe he's like an older. He's, like, aging out a little bit. He's, like, transitioning to producing or whatever. He's, like, discovered a brand new phenom. But she's got to be, like, polished, schooled, you know, in the ways yeah. of Broadway. Um, so I think we, like, get her into the show. Maybe he's a choreographer of the show. Maybe he's a director of it or whatever. She meets Joshua Henry, who's just, like, kind of smitten with her because maybe she's a bit of a mess. Um, but he's just, it's not that Higgins is jealous, which I think is what they try to like bring into it a little in My Free Lady, but he just like doesn't approve, maybe. Like maybe it's like okay. a showman's thing. Like he doesn't yeah, approve. Or protective. Of, like, yeah. Yes, whatever it is. It's like based in some kind of misogyny, but he like doesn't approve. Um, and I think I want to bring the mom in a little bit because watching this movie, the first time Rex Harrison as Henry Higgins meets his mother, I kind of went, oh, that's why you're like this. Like they're like, she projected something, and I can't remember who that actor says, but she projects something like, oh, like, your relationship with your mom is causing you great strife, and that's kind of why you're a selfish, weird, little, pathetic asshole. <laughs> so I think, like, the show doesn't, like, linger, or the movie, at least, doesn't, like, linger on that that much, but I think, like, you could, like, pull that into it just to give him a little more of like because we never actually learn why he's a dick we just like know that he's a dick and people are usually jerks for reasons and then i think like we can develop this is going to be i'm going to run through this fast we're going along but um, we can like kind of bring his and eliza's relationship into like more into focus and like kind of critique like the ownership aspect because i think a lot of it is like that henry against feels like i said is like He's like feels like he's created this thing and he does care for her, but he's like way too ownershipy over it. And she can like kind of school him and want to be her own person. And I think we need the 2018 ending. Like she leaves the nest. And maybe we can like give him a little more like at least like a little hope that maybe he'll like turn a corner. Um, as he's like sort of learned to care for this person and then he treated her like shit and she left and he has to grow from that. So that's it i want to watch that (laughs) um okay so i'm actually going to take a stab at making this movie better Um, so you're getting rid of james corden (laughs) i hope this isn't a cop-out but i would also love for this to be kind of a little bit of a quick collaborative discussion instead of like a fully fledged recreate because to be honest like i did mention my flaws with the movie but i also had a lot of trouble being like what would i actually change to make better so sure. I have like a, 
a few like cast and general ideas, but um, also want to hear what your excuse me what your thoughts are. So, okay. first director, not Ryan Murphy. Period. Um, <laughs> I feel bad. I, I know I, that he's like connected to it, but mm. I know I do Ow. and. But like, and and here's the, I'm not even a Ryan Murphy hater. Like he's some of the stuff he's done is you know some of the my favorite things. But also, I'm a Glee when stand, he's bad, so. he's bad, and I think this <laughs> yeah. is an example of that. Yeah. Cast. Look, I understand. <laughs> you got to cast some celebs for a movie if it's coming from Broadway. I get that, mm-hmm. but I just so badly wish that some of the original cast were actually mm-hmm. cast in the movie. At the very fucking least, Caitlin Kinnanen. Because, yeah. like, they didn't even go with a fucking star for Emma. They just went in a different direction. Ingenue. I know. That's what's weird about it. Yeah. Like, I, mm-hmm. if they had cast fucking Ariana Grande, look, sure. You gotta do what you yeah. gotta make money. <laughs> Disagree with it, but, like, live your truth. But, yeah. like, they didn't. <laughs> and, no. and I don't know. I just, so, yeah. It's Emma, weird. I would cast yeah. Caitlyn Kinnanen. Alyssa, I thought Ariana DeBose was great. I'd she was her. good. And I yeah. thought her I and thought... Um, Carrie Washington as a mother-daughter worked really well, too. Yeah. So I would keep that. Yeah. Um, Barry. This is my favorite. Oh, my Fucking God. Fucking Titus Burgess. Oh, <gasps> he would be Could good. Could you imagine? Yeah. I think he would be so fucking good in this role. And and has, like, some star power behind his name, too. That, yeah. Like, People love Brooks Titus. doesn't have in the more mainstream role. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Dee Dee, you, like, sure, let's keep Meryl. I think Meryl did a really good job. I don't think she did she's a fine. phenomenal job. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, TBH, my heart still went to Beth level, but like, <laughs> you know, they're switching places. Beth is now doing Deborah Wills Prada, so. Um, oh my always God. In these same roles. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> she's know. like Broadway Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah. Also, I will, one thing, giving credit to Meryl, she in multiple interviews, gave a lot of credit to Beth for, like, for originating the role. Meryl's and that good at Meryl that. took a lot yeah. of inspiration from, like, her choices. So I love that. Trent, yeah. Andrew Rannell, sure. Or, if you have it my way, remove his role and rewrite it so that Barry gets his songs. And then Titus is now singing Love Thy Neighbor. I love Ooh. that. There we go. <laughs> um, Angie, I like Nicole enough. Sure, let's keep Yeah. Going. So okay. I think this is nice because it still balances having star power, but also is a little more true to the original and has a queer person playing Barry. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My other idea. So I know I kept talking about this kind of nebulous concept that the movie is like too like refined or pretty or whatever. I don't know how to describe it's it. Weird. But I think it yeah. loses its shiny. Edge. And yeah, so I'm calling this. Fantastical realism. I don't know if that's a real. I know magical realism is, but it's I feel some like kind it's of like mostly. It's because we use green screens for cities. We yes. just go to cities. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like even even like the costuming and like just how like grand everything is. Like mm-hmm. I, I just would change that. <laughs> so here's my <laughs> idea. I actually like think that we could keep some of that when we're focusing on the New York crew. Like, I Mm -hmm. I don't mind us going totally extravagant and, like, crazy costuming and, you know, really kind of magical vibes around the New York crew. But then I think it would be so much more powerful to get to Indiana and just totally contrast that, where Emma is a total, like, normie, like, not at all fashionista, lesbian fashionista. Wearing the strangest, like, <laughs> denim jumpsuits. Like. But, like, the thing that's so weird about the fashion, I could go on such a tangent, is, like, oh my God. yes, a lot of it's kind of odd, but, like, it's such a strong point of view. Like, it's, Who, like, what that high janitor outfit like that? with a tie underneath. Like, no high schooler would ever put that on. No one. <laughs> okay, no. anyway. So, but then, yeah, so, so then we would have this, like, big contrast where the New York crew is kind of bringing this, like, fantastical element but then they get there to Indiana and it's like stomped on basically right away. Um, <laughs> and the idea is that there's kind of this separation between the two. And then maybe at the end, sure, let's have our big oh, number at the so end nice. be a lot more fantastical mm-hmm. um, and magical and colorful. Um, but then at least there's like a journey to building up to that and not just kind sure. of forcing it from the start. So those are some early thoughts I had. But yeah, would love to hear in the last couple minutes if you have any like change. No, I like that. The only, I think, like, the the casting of Barry, like, even if it's not Titus, it's just, like, 
There are so many people you could have picked. Like Nathan Lane, what was he doing? You know, yeah. like he's a gay and man on Broadway. Thing, like, <laughs> I am honestly like I. I think it's better when queer actors are in queer roles. And if I'm being real, controversial opinion, I don't think it has to be a requirement. I don't think it does either. In the same way that I think, like, race, for example, is a requirement. Oh, yeah, sure. But I do think that, like, there are roles where it just, like... Like, Barry is an intimately queer person. It's not just like, oh, yeah, by the way, he's gay. It's like, no... He is a true queer experience. He is, like, kicked out of his house by his mother. Like, he... It's such an integral part to his identity that, like, I I just don't think James Corden was able to portray. Like, no. I... I don't know. I just think he that, He also... Like, I feel like he went for stereotypical in a way that was so broad. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's not... You know, like, people are stereo like sometimes people have stereotypical points like personalities or whatever or like more flamboyant than other people but like there's like specificity it felt like he was dipping his toes in the water but not like diving it was so in. broad it was yeah. such a broad interpretation it felt homophobic to me <laughs> i just thought it was like not that great like i just no. was like make some choices yeah, it's like we put him in Into the Woods and everyone was like, oh my god, he's so good. And I'm like, is he? I honestly he's think fine. he might have, like, I don't know, this could be me reading too much into things, but I'm like, I think he might have even been scared to make stronger choices because then mm-hmm. it would, like, really be moving into stereotypical, you know, like, mocking territory. And I get that, but, like, I just wish that there were stronger acting choices made by him. And I, I mean, really, I wish it was a queer actor playing him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I don't think it's like always necessary, but for certain roles, it just, it helps. It really yeah, It helps. really <laughs> does. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. So yeah, those are some things I change. I mean, honestly, yeah. I think it would need to be scrapped and like built up again from the beginning um, to really do it. But sure. yeah, those are some early thoughts I have. No, I like that. Oh my gosh, we've talked so long. We were doing so good on short, but I feel like we did a lot. We said a lot though. We did. Also, I don't. We didn't. We didn't come at all. No, we're good. All right, should we preview next week? Yes, let's do it. So next week's category is old versus new. So kind of older Broadway versus newer Broadway, and just take a guess at who's doing what. You'll never guess. (laughs) I do feel like we're carving out <laughs> um, genres for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me over here, like, I... also I, feel like yeah. part of it is that I, not to be like, I live in New York, but, like, I've after living here you the last five years, I've seen so many things recently that are new. Yeah. Whereas, like, a lot of what you've seen is, like, what you grew up on or something. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I'm a Rodgers and Hammerstein bitch. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All well, right, we'll everyone. See you next week. We will for see the you app. next week. We're officially halfway through season three. Yay! All right. Bye. Bye.